and welcome to this week's episode of In the Saddle podcast. I'm Katie Clements and tonight I'll be talking through the action at Aintree this coming Saturday, the 10th of April, with our usual team, Chris Loder, Paul Callahan, and Mark Horoski. Mark, how are you? Well, um, it's good to be back, the dream team. Um, obviously got a lot of action to look forward to um, at Aintree this weekend. Then also you've got the Jockey Championship starting to heat up. Uh, Brian Hughes is, a, is uh, not going to, to Aintree, uh, going elsewhere. But yeah, looking forward to the action. Hopefully we can get some winners along the way. Um, Paul Callahan, how are you? Yeah, I'm very well. Uh, looking forward to the, to the weekends. We had a good day. Day one of entry over done and dusted. Uh, thought it was a cracking day's rest and really looking forward to to Saturday and um, the three of my favourite days of the year. So yeah, can't wait. And Chris Loder, how's things your end? Yeah, all good here. Been doing lots of uh, national videos and studying the forms. So yeah, hopefully we can find a few winners uh, for the listeners this Saturday. So yeah, looking forward to it. Lovely stuff. So before we jump into Saturday's analysis, I have a question for everyone. And it is just a quick one of what are your fondest Grand National memories? Chris, do you want to start? Yeah, well, unfortunately, I haven't been in racing for decades to have too many of them. But probably one of my favourite ones was um, only a couple of years ago, actually, when uh, Brani finished fifth on Milan's bar. And uh, I was uh, doing my MA at the time at uni and I um, was very fortunate to get into Taunton and uh, had a brilliant day uh, interviewing a lot of the jockeys uh, such as like Lorcan Williams, Charlie Deutsch and I was able to interview Bryony that day and I, I, and I, was, I must have been one of the last people that interviewed her before she went up to to Aintree to ride Milan's bar and I just really fancied Milan's bar that uh, that year to run really well and he finished fifth in the end but he, he gave Brian such a good ride um, from the front and got into a really good rhythm and at one point he just looked like he was fading out at the back of the TV and I told everybody in my family that Milan's bar was going to run a storming race and then fortunately I don't know how he how he did it he managed to plug on again to to finish fifth but just the delight that he finished in fifth place and gave Brownie a good spin. And the fact that I'd interviewed Brownie less than 48 hours before, uh, I just had a bit of a buzz that, uh, about uh, that year. But yeah, it's not a particularly great memory, but uh, but it definitely, um, yeah, it's definitely one that I think will always stick in my mind. That's what's special about the race, though. Certain things stick in your head, and that is what is special about Brownie. She's good at giving them a good breather and then finding more in the tank. Oh, what about you? Jesus, I have loads. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be brief. Uh, I can remember Seagram chinning Garrison Savannah, I think, and, and stopping him doing the Gold Cup National Double in the same year. Um, quite a funny one. Back in, in the home, my parents' house, I can remember growing up in 94, Mini Homer won and just denied just so. I think Simon Burrow was on board and I think my mother who wouldn't would be the only one in the in the household out of seven of us all together that wouldn't follow horse racing. She was the only one that had to make a couple of quid out of it. She she did a few quid each way at a big price on just so we finished second behind Mini Homa. Moving on then to I one of the earliest winners of the race having a bet was Eric Summit back in ninety eight. 
99, Bobby Joe, when the Irish, we weren't getting many winners in the race, Bobby Joe had won the Irish National and same county, the Cavaries, of course, from Ratote in County Mead. Um, I think half half Ratote was, was definitely on, on Bobby Joe that day when he, when he came home in front under Paul Cavalry. Moving on to 2001, um, when the entries came out, I fancied Smarty. It was my last year in school. I fancied Smarty, and I, when the as we got closer towards the the race itself, the, the 2001 Grand National, with conditions being just about raceable, I had I fancied I tipped Red Marauder to all the teachers. So my two fancies for the race was Red Marauder and Smarty. If was I told the teachers already Smarty, but he, his form was on better grounds. And uh, lo and behold, as luck would have it, Red Marauder and Smarty came home first and second. And I think half the teachers in, in school had had Red Marauder anyway each way. So, and then I'm just I'm nearly done. Mon Moam in 2009. <laughs> I I rode, I finished behind Mon Moam in a in a the race after the Grand National was formerly an amateur riders novices chase. I rode in that race. I rode a horse called Von Ordney, who was fancied from Henry Daly stable in the same colours as Mighty Man, and Mon Moam won it under Will Biddick. And of course, the race rode quite a good race. So I had told a couple of years, interestingly, I had, I shared the lift home. I got a lift home with Liam Treadwell. And when Liam came to, to partner Mon Moam in, in 2009, I told a number of friends, I just thought the horse was overpriced. And I know that race at entry that I rode in the year before, I think it was, it didn't ride a, a bad race at all. Um, it rode quite quite a decent race, so I thought he was overpriced. And I know a number of my friends had had black mon moment. It was great to see Liam Treadwell win. Moving on to 2011, Ballabriggs. It was great to see Jason McGuire finally get a number of good spins over the national fences. He's a fantastic jockey, so he was over them over them fences. I used to live with Jason. I lived with Jason for the first three years that I moved to England. He was a great mentor to me, both on in and out of the saddle, and uh, I was delighted to see Jason. You know, right, the winner of the national in 2011, and finally one for Arthur 2017, who I had been back in. Just to mention on Ballerbriggs, I forgot to mention I finished second behind him two seasons prior to that in Catrick on a horse. Both Ballerbriggs on the horse I was on were rated 115, and from the second last to the winning line, Ballerbriggs put easily, I think, about 15 lengths between us, and I know. Our, the horse I rode was fancied and I, Jason McGuire had said to me before the race that, that this horse was going for the national. He won at Cheltenham under Derek or Richie Harding and then won at Aintree the following year. And I know a lot of my family had Ballabriggs backed on the, on the back of that. And then finally on to one for Archer. Um, I had a good, good scut on him when he, he won the classic chase at Warwick and I thought he was a horse that was just tailor-made for entry, And I was... Pretty much, I was back in the most weeks leading from from Warwick to entry. So I was delighted. I thought from the the second circuit going out, um, he was very little in doubt. I thought Derek Derek Fox was was brilliant on him. Just by doing by doing the hardest thing is to sit and, and do nothing. And he just sat and let the fences come to him, and the horse warmed up to it and hunted around for a circuit on the final circuit. It was it was pretty plain sailing. So that's. Brief enough description of my favourite national memories. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. What about you, Mark? 
now we know uh, Paul, Ka- Paul Callahan got those straight A's at, at school. Um, pay, paid off that mortgage as well if he's won for Arthur. But um, now it's interesting. Paul uh, mentions more because that's probably me as well. Uh, back in two thousand and nine, I was actually with um, Brian Martin. Who actually listened to the podcast. He he's he owns Flaming Glory with Kay Scott. We're in a bench shop in Edinburgh. It's a Labrix, if I remember well. And I backed Momo each way. And obviously, like I didn't have a lot on, but I had a, I had a decent amount on. Nothing massive, but. And then obviously I went home to all my parents excited and stuff. And then uh, this this is uh, you're you're gonna hate this Paul Callahan, but this is how I got into Betfair, right? Because I read in the recent post the day after that Momo was a thousand to one on Betfair that day, and I was like, what? So I just felt like I just just lost on a nine hundred to one shot. But yeah, that that's how my uh, Betfair betting career started because of Momo. I backed it each way on the sportsbook and Labricks and shop, and then I found out it was a thousand to one on on the bet for exchange and then that was me converted after that i was thinking what am i doing and uh so i work for better now but yeah that was a great day um and the reason i backed it is because he actually won uh at cheltenham on my birthday 2018 2008 obviously back in the day i was a fresh-faced young man and your friend katie aiden coleman wrote, wrote him and he was a three pound claimer that day as well won quite well um but yeah good memories of the race um and I'm looking forward to it on Saturday as well. It'll definitely be an improvement to last year, let's be honest. Like, if you think about who were, it was 8 million people were watching our virtual Grand National last year. Um, I just can't believe some of the write-ups this week. Yeah, and it's just, <laughs> it, there's been some good uh, good tweets on Twitter, and um, it'll just be good to actually see some action. And ho- hopefully next year we can actually go back to the course, because I'm sure we're all missing it a lot. It's, it's somewhere I've never been, but have always wanted to. Um, since the only time I've ever backed a Grand National winner was um, Aurora's Encore at 66 to 1. And I've wanted to go to Aintree ever since then and have just, yeah, I love seeing the horses over those fences. It's it's spectacular. You should go to Ladies' Day. That's even more spectacular at Aintree. <laughs> That's where the real sights are seen, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't call them that, but we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Okay, so let's get stuck in to Saturday's action then. So we'll start with the 2.25. It's the Betway Mersey Novices Hurdle. It's grade one. It's over two miles and four furlongs with 11 hurdles to jump and just over £42,000 in prize money to the winner. So, Chris, who's taking the pot? Yeah, um, interesting uh, races, actually. Uh, my Drogo currently heads the betting for Harry and Dan Skelton. You've got Bally Adam in there as well. He's an interesting runner. Uh, and they're both actually stepping up in trip quite significantly from what they've been showing so far this season. And you've even got the the drill deal who who knows where his limitations lie. But I am just going to give the nod to my Drogo for the Skeltons. This horse has probably been one of the best uh, British novice hurdlers we've seen so far this season but to be honest with you I think we've had a really weak but a bunch uh this year I don't think there's no standout superstars anyway that we're talking about that are going to go on to be uh champion hurdlers or stay a hurdle stay stairs hurdle winners even uh later on in their career but uh this my Drogo he's done done it well on all his starts this season a lot of his form ties up fairly nicely he Absolutely dotted up at uh, Kelso, really impressively, um, beating a few 
uh, nice rivals in that race, like Bareback Jack, for example, who uh, was uh, quite well beaten in the end. And then his form from Ascot reached fairly well, where he beat Laden, Arbo Laden, Soren Glory, who went on to win the Betfair hurdle, you know, so he's got a lot of good form, the better ground as well, um, shouldn't be a problem, and Dan Skelton has said all along that it'll probably improve for going up and trip, uh, he's the best on here, on official ratings, Skelton's are in decent form at the moment, it's not a very original selection at all, but I'm hoping my Drogo can be uh, one of the stars, anyway, at least in the British novel her novice hurdle ranks, and get a, a grade one on the board for the Skelton, so he uh, is going to be my selection in this race. Thank you, Chris. I actually got on my drag earlier this week at eight to one. Um, so I will be siding with your selection for that. Mark, have you got a different angle for us? Another classic Katie Clements. There's seven to four now. She's on eight to one. Account <laughs> closed. Anyway, I actually, um, I actually want to oppose my, my juggle here. Uh, sorry. But um, I'm not convinced with the with the form at Kelso last time off, I'm being honest with you. Like, I think the race fell apart on the 6th of March. And if he was a superstar, why, why did they avoid Cheltenham? And second favourite, any news and seed rider early on. Bareback Jack, lucky one, didn't run the races, in my opinion. All of Harry Skelton's horse have been over bet right now. Um, I think it gives us value elsewhere. Um, to me, I don't even think they'd be running this horse here unless Harry Skelton was going for the title. So... You should be on his summer holidays. But anyway, I think seven to four is too short. Listen, eight to one is a good price. Are you on each way? Katie Clements? Uh, no, I'm not. Straight on the nose? Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I, I think... about that. I just, I just think you should have took a place, if I'm being honest with you. I can see him <laughs> on a place, but I just think there's there's value here to take this one on. Um, I think he's too short at the top of the bend. I mean, I quite like Manila Drama. Um, beat Fergal O'Brien's Stoner's Choice Listing Company Market Raisin on the 21st of February. Um before bumping in Miller Drama, who actually won three on the bounce. Next time, I'll hack top off one three nine. Um, this will be my each way selection. It's currently ten to one. I'd rather be on this one at ten to one than be on my draw around seven to four. I can understand your eight to one selection, but seven to four right now is too short for me. This one could go off clown prices like five to four, even money with with Harry on board. In my opinion, I won't argue. I understand your point, <laughs> <laughs> Paul Callahan. What do you think about this race? I think it's hard enough to difficult to oppose the favourite. Um, I'm with my Drogo as well. Three from three over hurdles, including the grade two contest and quite taken fashion at Kelso. That was back on, on March the 6th. I'd imagine looking at the dates that connections have maybe, you know, started off with, with tomorrow as the target and walked back from there, hence the trip up to, to Kelso. Um, I, I just can't see a reason to oppose it. Manella Drama races with the hood. You'd imagine Donald likes his horses. Donald McCain likes his horses to go forward. He'll go forward. Will need to improve. Bally Adam, it'll be interesting to see how much Cheltenham has taken out of him. Again, he, he was quite keen at, Ch at Cheltenham. So it'll be interesting if he got into a tussle early on with Manella Drama. The real deal could be anything. Um, Punchestown was held up. You'd imagine tomorrow, or you'd imagine on Saturday, if he gets detached towards the rear, the way things are panning out on day one of the entry, it's going to be a little bit more difficult, especially in this company, to make that ground up to what he did at Punchestown unless they go exceptionally fast. So, but he's obviously horse clearly improving, and and you just don't know. I don't think we've seen the seen him reach the, the bottom of the tank just yet. A horse I like 
myself is Adramel, but I thought he, he had quite a hard race at Cheltenham. If that race hasn't left his mark, he, he actually, when I think about it, he, he had quite a hard race in the qualifier for that Cheltenham race at Warwick when he won. He got racing quite a, a long way out. And at Cheltenham, then he went off pretty fast in front. Obviously, he didn't get, he, he didn't get, there was no let up at the front at Cheltenham on his last start. And I would imagine that race has left its mark. I'd be surprised if it hasn't. Um, hence why I'm, I'm, you know, opposing Adramel. JB, why is interesting, I think. He won at Warwick back on the 26th of February. He needs to improve, but he's representing a, the top yard in Alan King. And a horse I really liked when I seen him win at Exeter, a striking a pose for Colin Tizard. Harry Cobden was on board at Exeter. John Joe Neal's on board on Saturday. Now, he pulled up at Sandown in a grade three contest, but he was dropped in and he never looked happy. At Exeter, they let him bowl along in front and he absolutely loved it. Now, it was quite test ground at Exeter. And you have the hills, on, you know, the, the hill and the home straight and the back straight when he come up. And he got into a lovely rhythm. He won't have that luxury here, but if I was connections looking at the Exeter run and Sandown, I tipped him up at Sandown the last day. He was beaten after three hurdles. Like you could see he wasn't happy at all. He just didn't like being crowded or in amongst horses. And he never had a cut at any of his hurdles. Whereas at Exeter, he was just, he jumped, he gave an exhibition. He was absolutely, he was phenomenal. He was fantastic at Exeter. He could be overpriced. He might run well at a price strike in the pose. But um, I think it's it's a tricky grade one this, but I'm going to go with my my draw. But I think he's, I can't see a reason to oppose him. So for the 225 to round up, we've got Chris and Paul siding with my Drago, who's currently priced at two to one. Mark looking for a different angle with Manella Drama, currently priced at 10 to one in most places. So the next race, we've got the three o'clock. It's the Doombar Maghul Novices Chase. It's a grade one. Again, it is over two miles and four furlongs, this time with 12 fences to jump. And again, just over £42,000 to the winner. Mark, you've got an interesting idea for some... Uh... I can't think of the word now. Yeah, I've actually I've heard a, I've heard a word for the yard. I mean, Paul Callan had a word for the um for the Nicky the Nicky Henderson horse. Apparently, he's working well at home, isn't it? Paul? Do, you get, do, you, do you get the nod as well? Yeah, I think to think a lot. Of, I think a lot. It's, it's like going to it's going, it's, going, it's going to be off apparently, but uh, yeah, like, listen, there's no value taking on a well, there's no value back in. I just get here one to seven, um, unless you're putting seven bags on a win one. Um, but even for me, that's sketchy territory because we saw what happened around Christmas um, with the fives on chance getting beat Nicky Henderson's. But um, I mean, I, th I think there's a bit of value in the without market here. Um, and I think uh, looking at Venetia Williams, Finabola, Cibola at two to one. Uh, Gumball's currently five to four uh, favourite in the without Shushkin market. But I mean, on, on ratings, Gumball's looks like the one to beat um but philip, philip hobbs zero from 33 uh they're running a bit better but they're not finishing the races philip hobbs runners at the moment um i can't see harry harry skeleton riding a winner here as this is competitive and not a a two-runner race which he's been accustomed to recently so i think uh Fana, how do you pronounce this finabula savola for venetia williams i mean it's a progressive sort uh versatile on good and soft ground really impressed that last one i asked on the 28th jumped really well um so this will be my selection. It's currently two to one and without market with Shushkin. This one's going to be running prominently. And as Paul Callan alluded to earlier, you want to be 
you want to be handy here. You don't. They're not coming from the back. Um, so you'd imagine this one will make the run. It's just going to pick up late. But I do think there's a bit of value two to one in the without market uh, with Finisher Williams, Finabola, Savola. Lovely. Thank you, Mark. And I'm assuming, guys, we're going to be siding with Shishkin elsewhere. Probably not having a bet on it on this race, though. Chris. No, just uh, get a nice cup of tea or whatever your beverage is and just sit back and watch. Oh, um, biscuits, Chris. Nah, I'm too full up from Bourbons at the moment. They only come out for Cheltenham, don't they? Yeah, they only come out for Cheltenham because uh, they're more they're more oh, to no. dr- more to drown your sorrows in, really. Um, and ginger nuts are the superior. Maybe jammy dodges. Um, yeah. That's when he's landing. When he's landing the treble or a lucky, the jammy dodge. Yeah. Or trying to dodge the race. <laughs> I know. Hopefully we'll see something. Hopefully we'll see something. Um, it's not really. Like, sometimes it's not all about betting. And I think just, you know, I hope we see something exceptional once again. I hope he, he keeps his, his unbeaten record, Shishkin, and, and I hope he does it in his usual fashion. Vinicius is going to go forward here, Paul, so you'd expect it to be a nice gallop. Just pick it up like a Cheltenham, just outstay them up the run. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He looks very touchwoody. He looks fairly straightforward once yep. he gets into nice rhythm. And, and yeah, hopefully he'll, we'll see something special again. He's just an absolute dream to watch. It's so enjoyable just seeing him do his thing. Everyone would want a horse like that, wouldn't they? Yeah, and also as well, fair play to Nicky Henderson for not just throwing in the towel and calling it a day, you know, and uh, withdrawing stumps. He's, you know, like he could have just said, well, we've done what we wanted this season, uh, don't need to run again, but fair, fair play to putting one of his stars out again for hopefully, ev- well, not everybody to see, but everybody can at least see at home from, on the tally. So, yeah, fair play yeah, to Nicky. Yeah, gets a lot of stick for not running horses, but... You know, if he's come out of Cheltenham well, then fair play to Nicky for running him. You can't yeah, but I think com- completely off topic here. I think some people, and like I'm not naming, there's no one in particular in mind, but I think people, I think maybe we're just built to just complain. Do you know, like I remember growing up, I'd never seen it in my lifetime, a horse winning three gold cups. And my best mate won three gold cups. I was there for the three of them. I was at the last fence on the court when he won his third gold cup. I'd never seen anything like it. And I walked in race and I was riding as a licensed jockey at the time. And I was eating, you know, sleeping, drinking horses day, night, noon and morning. And my brother, one of my brothers came over from Ireland and we ended up, we went to Henry Knight's Open Day. But it was specifically mainly to see Best Mate. And, you know, for someone in race and you think on a day off, the last thing you'd want to be doing is, is traipsing away to someone else's yard to go and look at more horses. But... It was best mate, and the moral of the story, Henry at night was getting a lot, got, ended up getting a lot of criticism for not running the horse. But he won three gold cups, and instead of just enjoying it and let people do their their jobs, like if if you know Nicky Henderson, whether he did or didn't, you know, bow to media or you know public pressure when he ran Altior at Ascot last year. You know, well, they ended up, Paul. Sorry, I interrupted. Probably, probably ended the horse's career that had a hard well, he, race. He hasn't, he hasn't been the same since. Yeah. Now, whether you can prove yeah. it was that or not, I don't know. But it's very coinc
Well, Twitter, yeah, and just in general now. On the, yeah, I know who you're Twitter. talking about. I know who you're talking about. You don't have to name names, but like, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know what you're getting at here. Stirring the pot, Mark. The mob and the mob and specific mushrooms on Twitter always think they're right. It's quite interesting to watch just how out of check reality they really are. But anyway, yeah. continue, Paul Callan. But no, that is, I, I just think that, you know, the owners are paying the bills and within reason, you know, it's up to the trainers to train the horse. And, you know, if the trainer get, you know, you can, it's, if you have a tricky horse, especially, you can spend a couple of years trying to settle the horse and get the horse to its peak in over three, four, five year period. But you can ruin that in, in three minutes. You know, you could have four or five horses, four or five years trying to get that horse, especially if it's a little bit tricky or fragile or what have you. But that can be ruined in, in three minutes and you know no one's the, the horse in the public eye is quite is forgotten about three months later and you know but yet the owners there left left paying the bills and that's it so i do think at times i think it's the same with everything like football as well you know people aren't some you know just maybe it's the way we're built but certain people aren't happy unless they're, they're complaining and even questioning form like it's not the horse's fault if the horse wins a week grade one or grade two or grade three or whatever it's not the horse's fault but just to enjoy the enjoy the event and the performance you just witnessed that's I it think, i think there's um the only way i can really describe it is there's a certain amount of like entitlement with people in that because they're passionate about the sport and they're passionate about the horses and they feel entitled to certain things and it's like that that's not how horses work like it it doesn't work like that the owners and the trainers are entitled to way more because they put everything in just because you are a fan it doesn't mean you're entitled to um see the horse run or access to the horse or updates about the horse's welfare like or if the horse is injured like you're not entitled to know exactly what the issue is and i think no. the more social media that is the more that sense of entitlement spreads through fans of every sport and i'm yeah, not no, exactly sure how like, healthy it is i would love to have seen shishkin run a fairy house last week but it just wouldn't happen like i don't pay the bills and, and mm. that's it like it just it, it, not gonna happen well, why don't you moan about it on Twitter, Paul? And one day, it might, like Nikki Henderson might might make it happen. <laughs> just just for when we're on the subject of Twitter, right? I saw I saw a cracker yesterday, right? Somebody was going and giving out to Brian Hughes because he he, he opted not to go to entry, and I'm just like, he's, he's not got any rights. He's not got any support downside. What do you expect him to do? Like, just it's the same same old nonsense, you know. Um, obviously, Paul Paul's a jockey. He's been there. You understand. The support in the north and the south. I mean, what's Brian Hughes supposed to do? Of course, he's going to have to go where there's more chance of getting winners. He has to go. And I know people were saying then about, um, oh, he come down south and get his backside whipped by whoever. But he's not writing for a southern trainer. If Brian, if, if AP McCoy goes to Cheltenham and didn't have a winner, it would be a bad week. But if Brian goes to Cheltenham for more than two rides, it would be a good week for him. Now, in the position he's in, he's not going to do that. And then, People are saying about the prize money, but the prize money in the north is it's terrible. It's not Brian Hughes' well, fault. The north, the north as well, generally lose out when the, during the winter months. When the, the north would generally get a worse spell of bad weather, so they generally miss out with with more meetings. Um, 
I just think I think on numbers wise it should be. I think I I think it's right how it is numerically. I don't think that that should be brought in prize money and Brian's obviously going to go to where he can get winners. You know, you're not going to go to entry to ride and also ride. And he's he's what's he going to ride? I, you know, he's not going to ride for unless Donald's having a runner. And that's how the competition. You, you see the small fields Monday to Friday or you know yearly now in England over jumps. There's not that many spares about like. Like there is no spares every yard you look at a yard i think when i came home from england in 2011 or 12 i think nicky henderson had 16 licensed jockeys working in the stable and that was not counting barry garrity or anyone so you could that's the competition is there, there is fierce like there is no spares whatsoever yeah i agree so, with you and like I, I think i personally i think brian Hughes deserves more respect but i i do think it needs addressing i i think that it doesn't make sense haven't we touched on this a couple of weeks ago it doesn't make sense that um we have the best meetings with the best jockeys the best horses but we don't because the best jockeys are off because they have better chances of having winners i don't know whether you hit the pause button on the championship i i don't know that might make any sense either but i think if i was going to silverstone to watch the, the british grand prix and lewis hamilton was off maybe in f2 I'd find it quite surprising. Do you know, if I was going to Silverstone, yeah. if I was watching a Grand Prix, I'd expect to see the best there. Yeah. Well, that, listen, I hope Brian Hughes wins it. Um, I think that's the complexities of the sport, though. Like. Yeah, exactly. I think it's there to encourage. It's a case of what other sport is there where your equipment has a mind of its own? All I will say is that about... Brian Hughes, actually. Lots of people thinking he's going to Sedgefield tomorrow to ride winners. That's what you would presume. But I just had a look and he's only on one favourite tomorrow. Skelton could have two or three. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I completely agree. Like, like so, uh, the amount of chances Harry Skelton's had this week and he's, he's running in two runner maidens, or two runner races, and he, he can't get the job done. Um, Brian Hughes isn't riding favourites. People just allude, make this charade that Brian Hughes is riding fives on chances at Sedgefield all day, you know? Um, I think he might ride two or three winners tomorrow, but I just think he deserves more respect. Um, and you can obviously tell, like, who's had a few quid on Twitter as well. Had their fiver on Harry Skelling at six to four, you know, they're getting excited, you know? It's eight to just, just enjoy it. Like, I mean, before this, we had two of the best jockeys of any generation and, and Tony McCoy and Richard Johnson. But, like, the national one, the, the jockey's title was over by September. If truth be told, like McCoy, AP was that far ahead, and then Richard when Dicky came, came, you know, when after AP packed in, and Dicky was had the same like he he had it won by September October in the first couple of seasons because he was picking up a lot of what AP was picking up for Gordon Elliott at Perth and the Northern Mains, and now we have a, a tight tussle and, and just enjoy it. Like the lads get on with it, and, and you know the system is set up like that. They're not going to go to Aintree or Cheltenham to ride a horse to finish 20th of 22 maybe in a handicap or a novice order at chase but just enjoy it like it's, it's great to see it and, and may the best man win may they get a, a good clear run to the finish is your money on paul gallahan i think numerically it, i think it favors the, the south i'm gonna i think harry harry skelton i think come the, the next couple of weeks it, it'll be I know, I'd imagine agent-wise, Richard Hale will be trying to get Brian on the best horses as we approach the end in the next couple of weeks. But I think equally, a lot of the Southern Yards will be maybe, and Dan Skelton will have the firepower 
as much as he can stacked up. But I think the I'm not sure who represents Harry Skelton, but I'm sure he'll be doing all they can. And I'd imagine there's going to be more southern meetings than, than northern meetings. It's just the yeah. way it is, the way it happens. I think it's going to be very, very close. And obviously having Dan Skelton has sort of been feeding you chances is obviously a, a big help to Harry. But I do think it'll be close. I think it'll, it'll be one or two winners in it come the twenty fourth. I wonder sorry. I was just going to say, I'd, I'd love to see Brian do it, but something tells me it's going to be Harry Skelton. And I don't know if that's just because he does have a slightly better strike rate. Um, and obviously he's got the yard fire, firepower. He knows the horses inside out because he rides them week in, week out. Um, it's a special dynamic. I wonder if things were that tight but in the last couple of days, would he, would he pick up a couple of rides for Paul Nichols? I don't know, we just mentioned that during the week. Would, would Harry Cobden step aside and maybe let him on a couple of fancy ones? Do you know what we do, Dan? And Ooh. obviously with the connection there and that they're still quite close. Who knows? What's actually interesting is I was looking earlier and people are probably writing off Harry Cobden and he, he's a ridiculous price. But I looked at after, where is he after his double? And he was only 11 behind. I know that sounds like it's too far behind, but honestly, like if... It only takes in this game like one four timer or something at Wincanton. It only takes it, someone falling and yeah, getting injured. And an injury. Yeah. yeah. How you many know, how many how many falls has Harry Skellen had this, this week? Exactly. It no, I, I don't think Cobden's out I don't I honestly think if that situation would only happen if A Cobden was sidelined or B it was literally Mathematically impossible. I think he's thirty six. He's on the machine right now. Uh, Do you like him about thirty six to one? I mean, the bet for machine, the only machine, number one machine. I mean, I mean, I, 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 I I wouldn't bet it. But all I'm saying is that, like, there's still quite. There's definitely going to be a lot more twists and turns over the. Everybody says that today is the day. I think every day is the day. Tomorrow will be just as important as also Saturday, Sunday, Monday, whatever days they're riding, right until the end of the season. Every day will be, and every ride will be important. I think. Yeah, and I think I think you can see that in um, Harry's riding as well at the moment. Um, he he's riding like he wants it, and I think sometimes that doesn't go in his favour. Um, and sometimes it does, but yeah, it's definitely making for an interesting story throughout the season. I know this tail end of the season um, can, when we're getting towards like summer jumps and more flat racing, it, it can lose a bit of its spark, but I think it's helping keep that alive. Shall we round up that race that we were talking about and then got distracted slightly? Yeah. Selection yeah. is uh, <laughs> Phoenicia Williams, Fanabola Savola. Fanabola Savola, without Shishkin, two to one. Well, well listen, I don't know. Could I, could I maybe just go on the nose here? Like like you're my, my Drago, what do you think? Lucky I mean, Loaders, Lucky Loaders is swinging. He's thinking, what was he doing? If you want to go on the nose, it's 14 to one. Now we'll go, we'll, we'll go for the two and one. We'll play it safe. We'll play okay. it safe without Mark, yeah. <laughs> and then obviously everyone would be siding with Shishkin if there was some value there, but it is currently one to seven or one to six in most places. 
So next race is the 3.35, the Ryanair Stairs Hurdle. It's another grade one over three miles and half a furlong with 13 hurdles to take and just over £84,000 in prize money to the winner. Paul, do you want to start us off with this race? A fancy time hill to gain revenge following his Ascot defeat in the long walk behind Paisley Park. I just think the way the track is written on day one, that if Paisley Park, assuming he's going to hit his customary flat spot, he might just struggle to peg back Tyne Hill, who was, I don't think he was unlucky. I know Richard Johnson was pretty frustrated after crossing the line at Ascot, but I don't think there was very little that Dickie could have done on that occasion. I just think he, he got Paisley Park. Um, another horse at a price that I think would run a nice race, that it would be ground dependent, is the All Care. Noel Mead and Sean Flanagan. Now he's more suited to the softer the ground, the better. I know Aintree is forecast rain over Thursday night into Friday morning, so it would depend how much conditions dry up. But I could see the All Care run a nice race. He won a two and a half mile race at Snow's Hurdle, I think, at Limerick back on the 26th of December. He was a good second in the Galway at Bowen Park on yesterday Day back in January behind Sam's profile. And he would prefer to see the rain arrive, but he's a horse that's improving with each run. There is generally just four places on offer if you have it in each way at best. I can see the old care, who's currently best price at 20 to 1. I can see him running a nice race now. He, he needs to, it just, he is ground dependent, and it will just depend on how soft the ground is. But if he can hold his position early, I can see him running a, a nice race. He's a nice horse now. He's a horse that I like a lot, and whatever he does on Saturday, he'll be one just to stick in the notebooks going forward. Thanks for that, Paul. Chris, what are your thoughts on this one? Bit of a cliff horse for you in this, I think. I think there's a couple. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think this is quite a wide open race, to be honest with you. I'm going to take the top two in the market on. I can see, obviously, why they're at the top of the betting, but I thought Paisley's um, run in, in the stairs, it was okay. Um, I didn't think it was brilliant. Uh, I think it was just a it was a tactical masterclass in the end by Danny Mullins who was standing in uh, for Johnny Moore and Florian Porter. But I, I don't I don't think Paisley uh, would have beaten him at all if, um, if if they met again. I think Florian Porter would would confirm the form. Um, Time Hill, I'm not sure about him. Um, I'm I, I'm a bit concerned about the Philip Hobbs team. They haven't had a winner from their last foot. 32 runners so that would be a slight concern for me even though they always say that the better horses tend to run well for for these stables when they're not in uh, top gear but um yeah the two i like roxana obviously is that cliff horse i'm guessing you mentioned um yeah i think the skeletons looking back now um at the mares probably will ruin the fact that they didn't give the stairs a chance considering the ground did dry out which would be in her favor in my opinion um and it and i think the mayor's just confirmed that she she's just a, a good stayer and she's really improved for the step up to three miles a season that's what i've been banging on about all season long that before <laughs> before coming into this season all her best form on paper had been over three miles and okay both of them have come at aintree but even still, like the way that she won at Weatherby, you know, that was a, uh, that, arguably that was a career best effort, you know, and I thought that that's the route they should have gone down all season. And she ran a cracker behind Time Hill 
in Paisley Park in the long walk at Ascot. So I think that's the route they should have been going down all along. Um, and I think returning to her beloved Aintree, where she's got a fine record at, will be um, it definitely um, on her side. I do think, though, she could be potentially vulnerable. I think she'll make the frame, but I'm going to probably just oppose her for Liz Nagar Oscar. And it's really interesting that Rachel Blackmore uh, has been booked for Rebecca Curtis. Now, I was quite keen on Liz Nagar Oscar to win the stairs hurdle. And if you go back and watch the race, he's travelling so well he in the hand. really well. Yeah, he was, he was really eye-catching for a long way. You know, he was absolutely tanking um, under Harry Skelton that day. But unfortunately, um, he, he did take a, a bit of a fall. If that hasn't left a mark on him, I think a, a double-figure price, I think he'll definitely give us a run for our money. Uh, Rachel Blackmore as well is a really interesting jockey booking, um, but I know she has been riding for Rebecca Curtis uh, the odd time she has visited the UK, so it's not an unusual partnership. Um, I just think that on this uh, better ground, um, he could be a really massive player. And we've seen already, I'm not sure if it's always a telltale sign coming into Cheltenham, but if you haven't, A, hadn't had a hard race, or B, you swerved it. You, you you've kind of tend you tend to do well at Aintree, and obviously he didn't finish the whole race. So you're hoping that uh, it hasn't too, left too much of a mark on him. But I think Liz Nagar Oscar, uh, we know he's a stairs champion. He ran okay here uh, in the three mile novice hurdle um, back in 2019 behind Champ. I think he shouldn't be underestimated, and I think he'll give Rachel Blackmore a good spin round and. I think he's definitely nailed on to go close uh, at a double-figure price, so he would just get the nod for me. What about yourself, Mark? It's, it's not like me to be negative here, but I, uh, I want to be, t- <laughs> I want to be taking on uh, Time Hill at the top of the bang here. I think 9 to 4 is too skinny. Um, just alluding to what I said earlier and what Chris there, they're actually zero, for, zero from 35 right now in the last 14 days. Um, I have seen slight improvement in the way that they've been running and travelling, but they're just not finishing their races. And the way this one's ridden, it's a long way home at Aintree. I can see this one potentially in the lead to come in the last and maybe falling away. Um, just just keep an eye on how uh, Phillips Hob, Hobbs runners do to tomorrow. And even Gumball, for example, if these ones are being tailed off and placed. Um, it's the way this one's ridden. I mean, Paisley Park's my selection anyway for win purposes. Um, I think this one ran a, ran a solid race at Cheltenham. And uh, I think Foreman Poor, the winner that day, doesn't line up. I mean, that, I think that horse would have been very dangerous on this sort of track, if, especially if you get some rope in front. Uh, it was given a ridiculously good ride um, that day. And I just, I think Pilsy Park ran okay, hit, hit that normal flat spot, but the winner had, had already flown. Um, I think Foreman Poor could be smart. Um, it could potentially be the bet for next year as well on the stairs. But having Paisley Park around three to one available with Paddy Power at the moment, I think that's value. I think Time Hill nine to four is too short. I mean, I'd, I'd probably be place late Time Hill here. I can see this one out of the three. Um, just the way the stable's running at the moment, not for me. Um, I thought Doyle Kerr was interesting as well. This one's going to be ridden handily. I can see that one nicking a place. And uh, Roxana um, to fill the places as well. Obviously, getting that, that set. Is seven pounds this one getting at the moment? He's seven pounds. And obviously, Harry Scale, this one will be off for its life. But again, because he's on it, that's far than the price. It's four to one in places. I can't see that one running well, but I think Paisley Park's the one to beat. Um, I think this one will pick it up over the last and win quite comfortably. Third wind won well last time out as well. I mean, that one could potentially have a, a chance, but got to improve again. But 
you know, I don't want to be against Time Hill. It's the stable form. I mean, it's not ran for 112 days, but you'd want the stable to have a winner before you'd be tanking things in like this sort of company, nine or four. Yeah, it's a tricky one. Like, I like Time Hill as a horse. It's a smart horse. But that race where Paisley got him on the line, like, everything went wrong in that race for Paisley, Paisley and, and Aiden, And he still got there. So if Aiden yeah. can keep Paisley out of trouble, get through that flat spot, then I don't see how... Time Hill beats him. Yeah, yeah, and like when, when I, whenever I've seen Paisley Park, because they're ever in trouble, when Lizzie Oscar won at Cheltenham, Paisley Park found so much trouble around the bay, got bumped, bashed, and got stopped to the run. You stop, you'd, be, you'd be very disappointed if Aidan Coleman's going to find trouble at Aintree. It's a big, massive, long stretch. This thing's going to have loads of space. I think Paisley Park will outstay them, win by two or three. It's, it's an interesting race. I think it's probably going to be one of the most competitive races of the day for me. Um, I'll have to get that sport index account open, Chris Loder. We'll be on a distance span here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for the 3.35, we've got a real differing of opinions. Um, so we will round up the odds for them. So we've got Paul's selection with Time Hill at 9-4, with an each-way shout for Diolka currently at 20-1 to 1 in places. And then Chris is siding with Lisnagar Oscar, who is currently in a few places, um, 11 to 1, but in most places is 8s or 9s. And a little shout for Chris's Cliff Horse Roxana, currently priced at 6 to 1, again in a couple of places with 4s and 5s elsewhere. And then Mark rounding off with Paisley Park, who is currently best price available at 3 to 1 at time of recording. On to the big one next, guys. So the 5.15, the Randox Grand National Handicap Chase, grade three, four miles, two and a half furlongs, £375,000 to the winner and a place in everyone's history books and hearts. What do we think, Chris? I think it's fairly obvious. Um, I think the National... Did I mean, you really just say that fairly obvious 40-runner handicap? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think the National could be, over the next few years, I think it could change uh, in, in in the way we see the race moving forward. Um, I think that there could be quite a few horses like Cloth Cap that could just tick all the boxes and we could have quite a few favourites win the race over the next few years. I remember... Last the last time we had the Grand National, we were looking at Tiger Roll. We were saying, Tiger Roll four to one, he's so short for a national. You know, you can't bet bet on him to to win at that price in the national. You know, he's far too short. But he absolutely hacked up, didn't he? And I can see a very similar situation here with Cloth Cap. Um, you know, four to one. Bugs are getting that four to one though, Chris. I mean, he's, <laughs> he, I mean, he's four to one. And people are going to say, he's sure. He's on a 33-01. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I think, yeah, I, I think Cloth Cap, um, he's 4-1. He's to one. And I know a lot of people are going to say he's too short. And you're going to have to take him on. And I will give you a selection at a slightly bigger price as well. But for me, Cloth Cap... He slightly just, bigger. He, I think he could be five to two, nine to four. I really do. I think he's got so. Sign... Well, you six to four, Chris. You take six to four. No, I wouldn't quite take six to four, but oh, okay. but um, but I I do think that he's 
got everything in his favour. I really do. Um, it, 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 you get no brownie points, obviously, for picking him. Um, he won the Labricks as easy as he liked. That was pretty decent form. You had I Wright, who's been a stalwart this season. You know, he's been a, a great horse to go through form lines. And he beat the Conditional as well, who it was a smart horse on his day for David Bridgewater. Um, and he ran a good race on his subsequent start after that. Ascot, uh, he actually dotted up in the uh, Calso, uh, beating some decent rivals that day. And he actually uh, had to give a bit of weight away to some of them as well. So it wasn't like... Uh, it wasn't like he uh um it, it was an easy task for him um but he made it look really easy he's now rated 14 pound higher than his official rate and that he's going to be running in the um the grand national off so he's he's allowed to run off a mark of 148 but he's now officially rated 162 after his Kelso win so he's really well in at the weights uh the the ground be in his favor john joe nils won this race before the um connections obviously love to have a winner in this race many clouds uh Bala Briggs and all of them that have gone before um you know so it, it it just looks so obvious on paper um and he really t- takes all the boxes the only negative you might say is having Tom Scudamore on board who's never won the national but you shouldn't be looking in you shouldn't be betting on the national just because the jockey's never You're having a dick at Tom Ooh. no I'm not I, I just said you shouldn't have a dig at someone. That's that... my job, Chris Loder. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying you shouldn't have a dig at someone just because they haven't won the National, no matter how many times they've been there. But what? On... His last two race replays for Croft Cap. It's oh, just... no, he's been brilliant. I'm he's saying... perfect. I think Don't Tom... bring it into it. <laughs> I know. I, but that, but, but there's, I, there's nothing negative at all about Croft Cap. That's what I'm saying. Um, but there is about Tom. <laughs> I think Tom's been riding out of his skin. I think Tom has been riding as well as he ever has this season. Um, I really do. I think he's been uh, right. He's been riding at his best for for quite a while this season. Um, no, I think I think he's a match made in heaven with Cloth Cat. But that's all I'm saying. There's hardly anything Sorry, Chris, to knock it. Not knock about Cloth Cat because I'm tipping a four to one favorite for the Grand National. But I honestly, like I said right at the beginning of my summary that i think the national because it's not the cause it used to be i think a lot of these horses at the top of the betting i think we could see a lot of them fulfill their price at the top uh, fulfill their reasons for being at the top of the market and win the race the one that i will just quickly mention a big price that um i do think's got a good chance of going close is taking risks for nicky richards i always seem to be on the wrong side of this horse so probably don't back him uh, he, he always comes and spoils my party it obviously spoiled with I right and also as well I remember I was my girlfriend's got a good record of backing him I remember she was on him at like 50 66 to 1 when he won um, the Scottish National you know, he just stays really well and he's always doing his best work late on I could see him um, if they're getting tired going up the elbow you know him coming with a wet sail you know just to, to break my heart on cloth cap so um, but so I think at a big price I think he, he'll go really well and the better ground will be in his favour so uh, yeah he wouldn't obviously need a career best to win this but I think taking risks if he gets a good clean round um, I think he could definitely go well at a big price so he would be my one at um, a, a big each way price but I do think it's really what about his jockey Sean Quinlan um. Yeah. Not. He's not Tom Scudamore. Yeah, he's not Tom Scudamore. You know. 
<laughs> no, I love you, Tom. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Mark, come on, give us your choice. It was a Samsung pick there from Stevie Wonder. They're picking up. <laughs> There's a bit of nine to two, a bit of three six five. But to be, let's be honest, to be in anyone, it's got a bit of three six five account. But yeah, fair play, uh, Chris Loder. You found one there, a cloth cap and a forty runner handicap. Good luck. Um, <laughs> anyway, the, the one I quite like at a price is uh, Annabelle Fly for uh, for a for a trainer. It doesn't doesn't say much. Paul Callum can give us. It's Tony Martin. Dennis Regan takes the ride. Fourth to Tiger Roll in 2018 off 159. Fifth to Tiger Roll 2019 off 164. Off 155 here. And uh, Dennis Regan takes the ride. Um, Dennis Regan, he's got a decent record in this race. Um, he went close on Black Appalachia a few times, Desi Hoosies. Um, I think Annabelle Fly is given a chance by the handicapper here. Um, I don't know what price he is at the moment. He's a, he's a decent price. He's currently best price available twenty eight to one, um, and obviously that isn't with that that account that we all want that Bet365 account. And you can get about well, he's twenty two as a boil. No surprise there. But he's twenty five to one generally across the board. He's he's, he's twenty five to quite a source, and they're actually paying seven seven. I just see it here in front of me now. Um, as luck would have it, seven places if you have an each way bet at Boyle Sports. Do we know anyone we can get free bets with that works for Boyle's? No, anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're in a grey area here, Chris. We'll talk about that off camera. But anyway, I feel like this podcast is getting a little bit sassy this way. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, I, I quite like Animal <laughs> Fly. Um, I, I think I think this one's got a chance. I just think at the weights, it just looks like this one's been. Uh, if you look at the last couple of runs, it looks like this one's been laid out um, to get the handicap more done. I think Tony yeah. Monaghan's done a good job um, getting this one down. Uh, one five five. I think this one's competitive. Obviously, Dennis takes a ride, and obviously. JP, uh, he's got a few in here, but I think this one's got a live chance. I think it can maybe fill the place. He's runs well, of course. Thank you very much, Mark. Paul, far away. Well, I think, yeah, the cloth cap is, is, you know, he's been exceptional this season. And if you're riding the race, you certainly wouldn't turn your nose up at him. Like, but as a punter, you wouldn't be back in about at 4 to 1, 7 to 2 in places. Um, but yeah, I think Tom still have a crack and ride. He runs off one four eight, carries ten five. He looks to take a lot of boxes. Like touch wood, he jumps fantastic. I know the fences aren't the same as as what they were years ago, but they're presented different than your normal park fences. So they do take. It's not maybe the size of them; it's the way the horse jumps them. And uh, we saw today in the Fox Hunters, you know, they still do take a bit of jumping. And he should. He looks like a horse that that should take to the fences, but he certainly wouldn't be getting involved at the price that he is. The horse I like is, I do like Kimberley Candy for Tom Lacey and Richard McLaren, who, of course, just got chinned in 2012 by, by Neptune Prolongs. He's not that dissimilar profile to the 2017 winner, one for Archer. Kimberley Candy, he won the Classic Chase at Warwick last season. He's only had the one run since when he was he was well beaten behind Leon Rouge in the Beecher Chase last December, a position he also fills 12 months earlier. He pulled up in the Irish National if we go back to 2019 behind Burroughs saying, but he was badly hampered at the sixth fence and he only got as far as the 16. So I think he was looked after kind of once his winning chance had gone in the Irish National last year. He's a horse, again, that would, I maybe would be a little bit more confident going into last if it was a year earlier, but he has a bit of form around entry. You do find, I like horses that have had a, had a, had a run round there. I know horses that have, 
the first run round and the national round over the fences have won. But I do like horses that have had a, a spin round there. They do tend to be quicker on their feet than those who haven't. And places like the Canal Turn and what have you, the, the horses, for whatever reason, a horse that has been round there, they almost turn in midair at the Canal Turn. It's unbelievable. Like when I rode there in 07, Richard and Woody walked the track with me and it was one thing he told me about the horses just be aware of it because the space can disappear you get into the canal it's hard and you might have a bit of light in front of you or your horses kind of coming from all angles but the horses that have been around there without necessarily the jockey moving or directing them they tend to know where they're at it's it's incredible like um, and I do I do like Kimberly Candy at bigger prices Magical Ice seconds last year or two years ago You'd imagine with the fences, she had a nice run at Cheltenham over an inadequate trip. You'd imagine with the fences to bring out a little bit more improvement in her. Robbie Power, of course, was the winner of the National in 07 on Silver Birch. Magical Light would be worth an each way shout. Mr. Malarkey, we mentioned the conditional earlier on. The invaded conditional. Mr. Malarkey beat the conditional at Ascot back in December. On that run, he takes the defences. He'd surely be worth a couple of quid each way. And I think Jet, I don't, I wouldn't be investing in Jet. It sounds like a stupid kind of theory, but I could see Jet giving giving me a good run for your money. For um, he's a, he's had a spin over the fences and he ran well for a long way in the beach or chase behind Gwalion Rouge and Kimberley Candy. And I think he could run well at a price for for Sam Whaley Cohen. And it is interesting. I know we're already messing with Tom Skew, but there are jockeys that that do hold a form. Like I remember when I was growing up before I started riding. Tony Dobbin, who won the National in Old um, he had a fantastic record over the fences. Chris Bonner was an amateur. Um, he was, I think he was placed on a couple of massive price horses in the National. He, I think he was based in the North. I think he was with Mickey Hammond. But Chris Bonner had an exceptional record over these fences. And I know when I was riding over them, there was a couple of jockeys that I didn't go to ask for advice because I knew they absolutely hated riding over the fences. And there were some guys who loved riding over the fences and, and they were the guys that I kind of kept in the circle bef- before I went out to ride in them. Um, like I loved riding over the fences and, and I rode a 100 to 1 shot. As I said, I was still in third at the elbow. I think there are jockeys that, that do excel over the fences and there will, there will be jockeys that won't be looking at it forward. I know it depends what horse you're riding, but... It, there are jockeys that won't be looking forward to, to the national as much as others, I think. Rather them than me is all I'll say on that. You referring to that can food between Coleman during the week. Did you see that? That was absolutely fantastic. The what? The jockey can footage um, with Aidan Coleman and he fell. And I he, saw the Luke's horse. Yeah, he's in the fence. He's like, "Can I get up?" And someone's like, "No." <laughs> like, he was so calm, wasn't he? Yeah. It's just—it's such a mixture. Of, must be such a mixture of emotions in that because you want to get out of the fence because if a horse comes down on it, you're there. But you don't want to be sitting up and lifting your head and getting a back foot either. Oh, my favourite bit was at the end of that video where he managed to find the horse that he fell off of. He's like, yeah, you're all right, mate. Betty. He's like, there's my boy. It's all right, don't worry. He's like, sorry, mate. <laughs> He's like, it's not so bad. It's just like that video went from terrifying to heartwarming very quickly. 
Um, it was a roller coaster. Poor guy. Perfect. So, I mean, that sounds like quite a short roundup of a race in which literally anything could happen. Um, but we'll start with Chris's selections of Cough Cap. Currently, best price available on Bet365 at 9-2 is 4-1 to elsewhere. And then taking risks is an each-way shout at 40-1 to in places. Mark, sidling with Annabelle Fly at 28-1 to uh, in places. And Paul with Kim Black Handy, who is currently best price available at 12-1. to Do we have any other bets or business, folks? Yeah, just... Uh, well. Go on. Sorry. Yeah, just um, one uh, other tip that will be my nap for Saturday. Runs in the first race um, at Aintree. I think it's another skeleton plot job here. I was on this horse when it ran in this race two years ago. uh, A bit of a big price. It's called Tommy Rapper. Now, this is trained, like I said, by Dan Skelton. And this horse uh, really caught the eye uh, two seasons ago finishing second behind its stable mate, Utpuitisson. Um, I hope French is okay there. But, uh, um, yeah, I think this horse has been uh, laid out to, 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 to come back and have another crack at this race. It's not a negative that Bridget is on, on this. You shouldn't see it as Harry had the nod. Uh, Bridget often does ride this horse, so she knows him really well. Um, this horse, he'll, he'll love the better ground. And he's off the mark. Um, he's actually now rated £3 higher than when he ran in the, the, the same race a couple of years ago. But it just looks like a, a plot job for me. He's actually not had that many races for a, a 10-year-old. He's only had 19 career starts, which actually isn't that many. You know, He has had his issues along the way. He, he was last seen uh, pulling up in the, in the Midlands National, you know. But I, I do think that this has ultimately been uh, one of those uh, skeleton handicap plots and I think uh, returning back to Aintree where he ran a blinder for me at a big price a couple of years ago I think he's uh, a massive double figure price in some places I'm not sure if there's still 20 to 1 about him I think uh, I think he could uh, repeat history and maybe go one one place better on um, on Saturday so yeah I think he's got a cracking chance and he'll be my nap uh, on Saturday so he is in the 145 at Aintree so the EFT Systems Handicap Hurdle is grade three, over three miles. Paul, what about you? Not from us, sort of a betting perspective, I'm just having a quick look at Dundalk here. There's an interesting maiden Ryan Murray's in action for Braden O'Brien at Dundalk in the opener. Just worth a mention, Rhythm is in, partnered by Declan McDonough for Kieran Cotter. They have an exceptional, um, they've got a, an exceptional strike rate over the, the winter months at the on the all weather track at Dundalk and I think the Sun of Dragon Pulse just an interesting contender I'd work there's no betting up at the moment but I'd work to certainly work to a market check with the Mazane the opener at Dundalk is against Cadamusto though for Aidan O'Brien and Ryan Murr's son of no name ever cost 130,000 sterling as a yearling but does run with a, a tongue tie so I think that's maybe worth to know for anyone who's, who's keeping an eye on that but I just want to say, of course, we had the announcement of Richard, the retirement of Richard Johnson. He was a former guest on the, the podcast. And I suppose just like to acknowledge the career and, and thank him for the career and, and the great memories and for for the great memories in and out of the saddle. Um, I thought he was a, a, an incredible role model for everybody. Um, 
I was very fortunate to ride out with him twice a week at Henry Daly's. We shared lists together to to and, and on the races. He walked the track with us. Just a very down-to-earth guy. What you see is, is what you get. I know sometimes you might see people on television that are exceptionally nice and, you know, you'd hear rumours or this, that, and other, or everyone would say that they are exceptionally nice, but it really is. It's just, it's true in this case. Like, he's an absolute gentleman. Um, you know, he's got a young family, wife and a young family, and, and thank him for the memories and thank him for coming on the podcast and wish him all the, the best in the future. And also today, earlier on at Taunton, Lorna Brooke took a, a very bad fall and I know she was airlifted to the hospital. So definitely thoughts and prayers very much with, with Lorna Brooke this evening. And fingers crossed that she, she makes speedy recovery. Yeah, I, I, mean, I didn't see that race. I just heard about it afterwards. But thoughts with her and her family and hope that everything is okay. Obviously, she'll, she'll hopefully get the best medical attention possible. Um, and yeah, the outpouring of love for Richard Johnson was just spectacular to see last week. Um, I really liked, again, what Aidan Coleman said. It was just absolutely warmed my heart to see. Um, and yeah, you just doesn't seem like anyone has a bad word to say about the guy. So I wish him all the best in whatever the future holds, hopefully a bit of rest. I'll just tell you a story about him. Like, he's saying about like how hard he worked. I remember he was riding us. He was living in Cheltenham, near Cheltenham at the time. So he was about an hour, an hour and a quarter. And he was roughly about an hour from Henry Daly's. The road wasn't the nicest of journeys there from the motorway. And he had 10 stone, I think, at Folkestone that day during the winter. And he came into Henry's. It was a Tuesday or Friday. He came into Henry's and it was absolutely lapsing rain. And it was pitch black when he got there. It wasn't much brighter when he was leaving, but he literally came to school, I think one or two horses, and off the Folkestone, which was, I don't know how many hours in the other direction. And I think he had a, it was an early start and just a long day, and he had 10 stone to do. And it was just a, it was just a journey probably that he didn't necessarily have to make. Yeah. You know, he still would have been in Henry's the following week, but he still made it, like, and... Just us, his work ethic, he was just incredible. Yeah, and no excuses, just head down and always got on with it. Yeah, definitely. He, he's definitely a role model for any young up-and-coming jockeys. One thing I just wanted to mention, actually, now we're talking about Richard Johnson, was that from the racing media and everyone racing, hats off to everybody. Uh, I think we did a really good job, like, um, you know, like with all our tweets and all our applause of him. But... In the widestream media, I thought it was disgraceful, um, the coverage that Richard Johnson got over here. He barely yeah. got a mention. It got on the BBC Sport website and it was in like like kind of the latest sports news. But I was watching um, I was watching the sports news, you know, and uh, on the BBC News channel. And, and I know that it's really inconsistent, horse racing being in the widestream media, but you would have thought that Rich Johnson, you know, he's he is a bit of a household name, like for our sport. I feel he's been he's gotten he's received an OBE from the Queen for goodness' sake. So he has been recognised for his services to racing, uh, you know, and he was obviously um, pushing 
um, uh, AP McCoy for all those years in the Jockey Championship, and then he finally got his due rewards and won a few, won the championship a few times. But they on, on Sunday morning on the BBC they had 10, 15 minutes of sport news, and honestly they were filling some of it with absolute drab, and you would have thought some of that drab could have been uh, used to promote Richard Johnson, you know, retiring, you know, even if it had just been um, just mentioning it, what the career he had um some of his notable wins and maybe one or two lines from maybe some well-known people in the sport and then they've covered it you know it didn't have to be like a whole like um film Summer about dance. his life yeah. you know but just the fact that he he never got uh mentions when like they're quick to jump on the band i'm sure we'll have the gordon elliott mm. situation come up over the next probably on Grand National Day, I'm sure that will get mentioned and one or two other things about the negative side of the sport, you know. Um, but I feel like it was a big opportunity there for a man that I think where racing always feels like it's becoming more distant from the general public, I think a man like Richard Johnson might be able to help bridge the divide, if that makes sense, and, and maybe be a good ambassador for the sport. He's been a good ambassador for the sport within it. But I think Rich Johnson, his approachability, he's his, he's a good communicator in the media. You know, I, I hope that um, the sport will really utilise him to maybe be uh, a face that can hopefully uh, maybe be able to bridge like the bubbles, if it makes sense. Um, yeah, I but I just thought it was an absolute disgrace that uh, a lot more of the mainstream media didn't pick up on on his retirement. You know, and what was actually if I'm thinking about it, it was quite a quiet weekend on the sporting side of things. So, yeah, shame, uh, an opportunity wasted, I feel, there. Mark, you're very quiet. Have you got anything else for us for this weekend? Any bets? Any lays? That's the best thing you've said all evening. <laughs> I can't hear you. <laughs> I, uh, I love it. I love it when a uh, loader vents. I just give him the floor, you know, just let him off. Just he gaslights himself, you know, it's incredible scenes. But yeah, um, I think there'll be a lot of big price winners this weekend. Um, I think the come Monday, I think we'll have a clearer picture on the GP Championship as well. Um, fancy Brian Hughes to maybe ride two or three Sidefield tomorrow winners. Um, obviously, Twitter will be an interesting place come uh, first uh, Friday evening, I think, um, if you upset people. But yeah, Listen, I think uh, I think my my was probably could potentially be the lay of the weekend, um, and I'm not trolling. Like I genuinely don't don't fancy that one. Um, so it was very fast and like laser. <laughs> like just for the win, for the for, and for the place probably, but just for the win, I just think this one's vulnerable. I'm not convinced with that that form last time out at Kelso. I don't think Bareback Jack running the race at all. Um, I think either Nichols one didn't win either, but yeah, obviously you've got the golf to look forward to as well. Got some some. We bit off topic there, but I got some crack in each way bets on the US Masters as well, so can't really complain. But yeah, apart from that, um, we'll enjoy entry. Um, interesting what Chris said earlier about it not being what it was maybe 15, 20 years ago, and I slightly agree with him as well. Like, it's not that attrition, you know, where you maybe got half the field not finishing. It really is just turning into a four a four mile handicap. Whereas before it was it was grueling, you know. Um, but cloth cap. Four to one, you know, Stevie Wonder could have picked that one, Chris Loder. You know, I think it's an awful four to one shot. But I, I could easily have egg on my face with both Paul Callahan as well. Um, Katie, do you, do you fancy cloth cap? You know, I do. I've got 25 to one on it. Are you, are you being serious? Genuine. Yeah, 
Why, why do you never, why do you never tell us about these things before? I did. I've banged Shoot. on about it for months. I've banged on about that horse for months. It was the first winner I ever tipped on this podcast. 25 to How have you still got better accounts after all this behaviour, you know? You did the same thing with Tritonic. Well, Tritonic well. didn't go well for me, did it? Let's be serious. But you got the best. I I, I've got Katie's direct lines, so I'm always getting this information, mate. Yeah, well, let's, let's just, let's just keep a, a little more dry now. I think I might have a good tomorrow, if I'm honest, for Friday's racing at Aintree. Yeah. Okay. If anyone is interested. But you'll tell us after it wins, yeah? <laughs> I don't know if he'll win. I've got him for a place, um, and obviously it screams of my McNeil family bias. Um, but I actually think I've got a sensible head on for this one. Um, so tomorrow slash today, depending on when you're listening, Friday at entry, the 4.05, the top him. Um, senior citizen, he's currently priced at 12 to 1. Um, he's run really well on good and good soft ground. He loves those fences. He jumped so well over them last time he, he was over them. Um, and he just faded in the final stages of the race. So I think... If he can stay on and jump as well as he has done previously, I think he's a great price. Well, to one. All you need to do is tell the listeners, what is his real mark? I don't know. I don't have it in front of me. So he's better than one free seven, is what you're telling us all. <laughs> one for the pensioners. <laughs> he's better than one free seven, is he? Look, I'm just putting it out there so that if he does come through, then I'm not going to after boom it. Because no one likes an after boomer. Yeah, yeah, 12 to the, 1, yeah. Adrian on board. All Every those free wheeling Dylans, eh? Yeah. yeah. But listen, if he, um, I can see you winking at us here. He, he's a 150 horse, isn't he? <laughs> I don't know about that. Okay, 145. <laughs> I think he's a very good horse and I think he jumps brilliantly. I just don't know if um, they've found his optimum conditions or position in a race or whatever um i think he's gone well on different types of ground off the top of my head um i don't have his form in front of me but yeah i like i like him a lot and he's one that um hopefully will come and live with me when he retires so he's a, is he a, he's a place only bet tomorrow on the bet for exchange additional place six seven places easy what have you got for that well, there's no price at the moment, but the liquidity will will start piling in soon enough. So, I want to keep an eye. Um, yeah, and I've, I've a couple of other bets tomorrow, but one of them might be turning into a cliff horse for me, Chris. Um, Onyx. Santini running tomorrow, Emily. <laughs> no, no more of that. No oh, more Tonics. of that. Where's that? Um, at Sedgefield. Oh. <laughs> in the three hundred five, it's currently nine to four. Um, and I think what is interesting for me is that his hurdles run so far have been on soft or heavy, but he has won on the flat, um, on good ground for Ed Walker. So it could be interesting to see how he goes on slightly firmer surface than he's had previously. Don't, don't worry. David England will muck it up for, uh, for, uh. <laughs> For Marcus's big bet in the Jockeys Championship. Oh, don't give it away too much, Chris Loader. But listen, it's quite interesting Dan Skillen sending the, the horses up these Normans to try and stifle Brian Hughes. It's quite quite interesting. But yeah, it's entry. It's a win-win for everyone. It gives the other jockeys opportunities. 
exactly. But yeah, like every time I, I go on, on Betfair, I, I can see 2.32. And I, I just, I'm just waiting for that one-on-one to appear, you know? But that'll come in time, don't worry. Are you hooked up to that machine? I have my job, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, no wonder he's a robot. Clever than that these days, isn't it? What accents they can come up with. <laughs> just keep banging out the winners. Can't complain. Keep everyone happy. Okay, so I think we've covered everything. So we'll round up then and just thank you guys for your analysis and tips for the weekend. Um, I always really enjoy these podcasts when we've got the four of us together. So thank you. Um, thank you to everyone that continues to listen and support the podcast. The listening figures continue to grow. And yeah, we can't thank everyone enough. It's very much appreciated. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud so you don't miss any of the latest podcasts. Hope everyone has a great weekend. Horses and jockeys, all home safe. And if you are having a punt, remember to do so responsibly. (laughs) 